So have a little over an hour and uh, so I'd like some <coughs> suggestions on how to use it wisely <laughs> yes, for, your, for your welfare what you would like to how would you like to make use of this occasion ask questions or anything you want to clarify yeah Ah, yeah. Saying that he's talking about the descriptions of jhana absorption in the Kaya Gati Sutta, the mindfulness of the body. Yeah. Well, I'm already caught up in it, but I, 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 I just try to clarify uh, in terms of samadhi. Um, there seem to be three types of samadhi described, and I, I was wondering whether the, the whether what the relationship is between those descriptions of, of uh, those images and, and the experiences of being samadhi, and I just w- was wondering about the. disparity between the three types of samadhi and the four states of absorption and mind. Uh, Ranglings had led me to, to, to assume that the description of the higher state of samadhi was somewhere between the third and the work of the third and fourth. As far as I can remember, there are I think there are four images, aren't there? Mm-hmm. One of the bath powder, which you mix with water, and the, when you press it, the water doesn't ooze out, which is referring to the mind doesn't get drawn out; it stays in. You know, so we get this pleasant feeling, but the pleasant feeling doesn't send us running out. It actually is contained and and deepened. So then it's sort of pressed or gently suffused through the body. Second one is the, the four streams coming into the water and the, and the, the, the um, oh no, there's, there's no input from the streams. There's no, and even the rain doesn't disturb the surface. There's just the welling up. So this again refers to a complete um, non-interference of sense contact. That's our external phenomenon don't have any input, you get a sense of something welling up within the mind, which is a, so it's called the internal happiness, which is born of non nonsensual. The third is the lotuses, isn't it? Blooming. Yeah, under the surface of the water. Yeah. Lotus flowers without breaking the surface. That's it, yeah, yeah. So it's very much again it's a very internal image of something blossoming that doesn't burst out, out you know, it, it's contained. Yeah. Describes that as a, a direct thought and evaluation that drops off yeah, yeah. the second one. Yeah. And then it describes the third one as sort of uh, quite comfortable. Quite <laughs> very comfortable indeed. And the fourth is the white sheet. Yeah. So it's just the, like something that's, that, which is equanimity. 
so it's white it's got no particular colorings in it it's just but it's also it's got no moderations of tone it's just one 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 quality that that uh fine white quali- white sheet wrapped around the body so those are the four jhana so the f- quality of the fourth is mindful is equanimity and mindfulness so that is the mindfulness is stabilizing holding that quality of equanimity there yeah so when you, when you talk about the waves won't disturb the waves don't disturb. Yeah, like when you say in samadhi. Yeah, the well is a welling up yeah. within. Yeah. We can we can still sense what's happening in the sense in the <laughs> senses. Uh, n- <laughs> no, the sense contact is is uh, withdrawn from sense contact. So it's, it's really yeah, it's very internalized. But in that in that state also, um, we we'll, we'll try to be in touch with the breath all the time. Well, the breath changes. You see, the the uh, the more more uh, calmer your mind gets, the less coarse the breath is so it becomes uh, instead of the sensations of air it just becomes uh, first it becomes a, a steady flow of energy of, of light prana energy mm. so instead of the uh, flesh you might say you know pressures sensations of breath it's more the energy behind with the breath that becomes apparent because the, the physical breathing tends to slow down become very subtle but the energy of the breathing becomes uh, stronger more luminous so uh, so that and then that so that that then because it's um, it's an energy rather than a physical thing then the the energy of the mind starts to merge with the energy of the breath so that's that's the merging that's the sense of the unification so um, so that you're still with the breath, or you're with the breathing, you're not with the breath, you're with the prana, in which it now takes on the quality of an experience of a suffusion of, of uh, calm and happiness. And, uh, there are times when I experience when I'm really calm, and almost like the breath is very subtle, and I don't almost sense it, and as soon as I see that, it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as I realize, I look, oh, my breath is really subtle now. Probably I don't sense it, you know. And then I don't have it anymore. I mean, it's just out of the whole mm-hmm. Yeah, you see, the, the physical sign gets quieter and quieter till it almost, you can't track it anymore. So that's why it's good to, it's as if you just sort of uh, get your focus to rest back more receiving, if you get the sense of just receiving, receiving the breath rather than pointing towards it, you'll probably find you tune into the quality of, of energy there. It's almost like I'm trying to grasp it. That's it, exactly. You know, like I'm trying to make out of it just this or this thing yeah, that the, yeah, yeah, you're trying to grab it so that it slips away. Yeah. Mm. 
Yeah, it can't can't be done that way. You go so far and then it, it pops out. So you c- almost got to be a bit standoffish, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like you stand back and you let it come let it come to you. Because uh, one of the things we're doing in this is learning to get the mind to relax its its grasping habit, its tendency to seize and hold things to become something where it's full awareness so you're just aware so it's like <laughs> almost resting back yeah resting back what can you what can you f- sense of breathing when you just really rest back you sense you just imagine you know, like you know when you first wake up in the morning perhaps you get some just some this quality of a sort of a gentle brightness that's there no. Consciously, it's almost like I'm trying to get something. Yeah, 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 you know? yeah, yeah. I know that I shouldn't be doing that, but then when I'm practicing it, it, it comes. <laughs> yes, yes. These habits are not personally driven. They're not some. They're they're not thing we decide to do. They're they're inborn compulsions to get to have. So you've got to uh, work against it. Um, some very modestly. Yeah. Learning to receive. That's that's a good word to consider. Just re- receiving. Let's bear that in mind. How do you know you're breathing? Without making any effort, how do you know you're breathing? You are breathing, aren't you? <laughs> I think so. We'll check it out. Just you know, don't make any effort at all. Just ask yourself the question am I breathing and is it coming in or out and you'll feel this kind of rising rising up and falling that's that's the that's so it's a it's a slightly different focus isn't it's rather than you know pinpointing and hunting you, you rest back and let it come to you and uh you know, the difficulty with the problem with that is all other count things come to you as well, not just the breathing. <laughs> so it's uh, a matter of that's why we need that the the vitaka, the mind, the repetition. Well, yeah, but where's the breathing? And relaxing. Where's the breathing? Your thought comes up, relax. Where put that down? Where's the breathing? How does it feel? Being breathed, let yourself be breathed. So it's more passive, more re- more receptive. That you know, that may if you've got that mind that does that leaning forward and grabbing, that may be a helpful means to counteract that. Because mm. breathing does happen by itself, and that's part of the the joy of it is that. It's coming to us all the time. We don't have to keep leaning forward and, and reaching out. It's part of the, the relief of it all and the, 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 the calm of it all. It's a calm that happens through undoing, not through doing. Yeah. I mean, well, that's probably a bit too simplistic. There's a certain amount of doing, but the doing is just tuning, 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 and, and tuning into the place where you can be receptive. So the word um, so sati 
asasati, so sati, pasasati, thus mindful, one know one is breathing in, one is mindful of breathing in, one bears that in mind. This just means you have that frame of reference, breathing. Yeah, breathing wasn't where, is there any breathing? You know, just like that. And then uh, the word that's used for knowing it is pajanati, which is some pajana again, under a different cloak but it means this full awareness means you have to open up and fully receive the breathing there's no such thing as watching the breath it doesn't happen well it does happen but that's not the buddha's teaching the buddha's teaching is fully aware of the experience of breathing in and breathing out so you're aware, aware of a process not of a not of a particular thing but of a process the process of this flow in and flow out flow in flow out so it's not not a thing, but a process. So the mind, when it receives a process, is much has a much wider space than the mind when it's trying to hold a particular finite piece of data, you know, which is attention bound. Attention is the is the thing that defines is good about object definition. Awareness is much more about subjective impression. You know, like how does this feel to me? It may not feel that clear, but you get the sense of brightening and soothing. Yeah. So the, the thing that's emphasized in the Anapanasati Sutta is the quality of in-breathing and out-breathing. There's no mention of focusing on the nose, the abdomen, the upper lip, anything. It's just get the sense of what it's like to feel breathing. So the attention is quite soft. You know, You're staying in that frame of reference, but you're not tightening up mm. so the full awareness the alertness it's much more like a, 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 a keenness a keenness of the spirit a willingness of heart you know so kind of develop that the chitta faculty of, of being open and receptive to that and time and time and because it is naturally quite beautiful and uh, relaxing as you as you start to get the tune, you know it takes a bit of time to get the tune. You get the tune. Y- your mind does. Go, oh yeah, that's nice. It does go there. <laughs> but often we, you know, sometimes we're so tuned into loud music that you don't hear the subtler stuff. Or the, you know, so it does take time, patience. Basically, there's no body, it's just about energies. It's all just energies flowing through. And um, so does that mean that it's just all energies? And is there a chance that we catch on to others' energies as well? Like oh, yeah. Instinctively, like, you're tuned to others' energy. Yep. You know, might be negative energies. Yep, yep, yes, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> That effect in our physical body. Yeah, yeah. How how do we protect or do we have to protect it? How do we work? Well, you have things that be mindful. <laughs> 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 the uh, develop wise attention, which means you you deliberately, you know, you can sense. So you you choose something to to center around so that you're not just picking up any old thing that's going on there's a certain amount of screening that's required
time we're, we're not necessarily in a great situation in everyday life. We have to be with different people. We're not really mindful. We're pretty negative. We're just really, you know, like hard, just energies. And it's so difficult to be around them. And I sometimes feel like I just, I carry them along with me. You know, when I'm out of that situation, like my body is just so heavy. And, and of course I sit and then I meditate and eventually it goes away. Yep. Yeah, well, you know, when Murray says most of us are in, in atmospheres that are not about awakening, in atmospheres, in contexts that are not about peace, calm, generosity, sharing, and awakening, um, turgid, turbid, turbulent energies, sense data, uh, all kinds of stuff. So, why the, the wise attention is to focus on things qualities, reflections, body, something that gives you a refuge, uh, ground, place to place to of calm, place where you can um, screen. That's what's needed. So you might find um, you know, body is one aspect of it, and probably because the heart uh, is the most sensitive, uh, if you come down to your feet, your feet and your hands, so focus that way, and then you, you know, if you just, you don't feel you're really feeling disturbed, you don't really want to focus on the disturbance, you want to focus on the place of non-disturbance, yeah. so the way they're generally using the upright posture, so you're quite fully aware of the physicality of the body, you know, uh, and the singularity of it. It's not merged with everything else, <laughs> yeah. And you have um, see the body itself. Stand, the body has its own um, programs, which is fundamentally you know, the sense of balance is a very standard bodily program. When you stand up, you generally don't fall over um, unless you, you know. So the body knows balance as what's well, vestibular sense. So why standing is good because when you stand, something you has to tune in to the fact of standing up. If you drift off, you, you know, it automatically does it. The body does that. So if you come down into your feet, you'll get some of your your awareness will come into the awareness of standing, the awareness of balance. Mm. That, that's the primary thing. Yeah. But if we if you come down to the soles of your feet, connecting to the ground, widening your your attention span to include your whole body down to the soles of your feet, you tune into the upright axis, which has got the vestibular, the balance sense in it, and it, by itself it does create a center. And you've now got a center. You know, it's not a physical thing, but it's an energy, you might say, or something, a perceived sense of having a center with stuff around you. Yeah. So the, the centering is what you need. Because um, what happens is we tend to go out to the peripheries because all the contact impressions happen on the periphery, don't they? The eyes, 
Uh, and so we, we tend to get thrown out or pulled out. You know, and of course the world, human world is very much about that, about pulling us out. So you, you're out, and then when you're out, bam, bam, bam. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you suddenly find you're in a kind of head hammerlock or getting bashed and mangled by something. So you want to come in. And one way to come in is to find find your center. Now, if you're standing or you're just pulling your body upright, being aware of the spine, you're very clearly aware of the spine, that automatically by itself will give you a center. And then you can still feel this buzzing and whatever going on, but you've got some center place within that. And you've got to just keep coming back to the center and completing it. Um, you know, it can be that your head lifts off. Or, you know, so you lose your, you lose your body, your head just starts lifting off. Um, so, or you, you, something happens around the heart area because it's emotionally difficult, so this closes down. So you want to kind of try to keep aware of the whole sense of the upright body you know, when you're walking. So if you get the walking flowing, you walk or walk into work, walk through the railway station, whatever it is, keeping the sense of, you know, almost visualizing, if you can, this bodily axis it moves along and staying within that it doesn't mean you're impervious or oblivious to everything else but you've got a center so then you know then it's point of that is so we're not just drawn out when we're drawn out we lose our center then everything starts going crazy overwhelmed mm. so if, you know if you're just sitting down a train or something and chance to sit up and feel you know where's the center where's the spine and uh, the belly is relaxed so you're relaxing these places the solar plexus so your belly is open not compressed then this gathers your energy down here this is where your, st- your center of the body is here this is where the strength is here this is your your if you like your strength of location your location here i am this is what i feel this is where i am this is really what i'm going to do up here what happens this bit the doing bit takes over you lose the rest of it (laughs) so it's just the head rushing through space (laughs) and it's the last thing we think of is where am i because it doesn't seem that important (laughs) and actually you think what i'm going to do is the most important so the head is just hyper, uh, you know, or then the, the feelings. But then where am I, which is a sort of meaningless question in some ways. If you ask it clearly, you know, really where am I? And then coming to the, the abdominal center, again, that gives you power. This is strength down here. Pull, you know, it acts as something like a, gathers you in. And then try <coughs> keeping this area and then relaxing the solar plexus so the tendency to tighten up let your breathing deepen it will pull you it will gather you in much more that way and then you know uh there's a general thing for i think for all of us it's be aware that the the primary um the ways we normally go out a sight the eyes are very restless organs just flicking around checking everything out and 
human society acknowledges that. So there are many, many things to pull the eyes out, to tr- attract the eye, visual things. You know. So you keep your eyes, as in one of the bhikkhu training rules, is to keep the eyes, to walk around with downcast gaze, which doesn't mean like that. It just means you, you turn you, from main beam, you go to dip. <laughs> so you, know, you just dip your headlights. So it's like you're walking on, you, you know, it's not, you're not blind, but you're keeping it soft focus. So what do I really need to see in the street? I need to see, you know, the traffic lights, where I'm going. I don't need to look in this and that and this and that. You, you get some sense of supervising your, what your eyes do and keeping the gaze soft, that will again tend to reduce the impact of sensory phenomena. Yeah. You're not blind, but you, it's much softer focus, you don't get so impacted. And uh, of course, because of the eyes, uh, you know, a lot of stuff we see is, is, is written, r- signs, words everywhere, so that, that keeps activating the thinking mind words 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 you know so you soften that you think your thinking mind can calm down you might even have a mantra somewhere you can just keep that flowing you know if you and then uh, you know mindful of walking as it says in satipatthana this is not a you know walking meditation it's just how to walk mindfully when you're walking, you know you're walking. Well, that's you know, so what? But, but uh, I find if I walk through through a city, there's a pressure to walk faster <laughs> because everybody else is rushing along. The cars are rushing along. The lights are flashing. Bleepers are bleeping. So you start. You don't need to walk faster, but there's something compulsive about it. So you just deliberately cut that that thread and just get into your own body and walk at the pace you want to walk at. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, instead of being led by external phenomena, you're led by an internal compass and an internal governor. You're saying, this is, this is my pace, I'm feeling comfortable, walk at this speed, you know. Go get there 25 seconds later, it doesn't matter. You know. And so, you know, it means taking, you know, giving yourself a few more minutes to get to where you're going. But the more we do that, the more we can stay centered. <coughs> And you can see how most, uh, you know, the, all that you're putting, putting this, this body-mind unit as a single unit. You're putting it together all the time. You keep putting the body and the mind together all the time. So you're walking as a unity. Normally what happens is, you know, you leave your body after breakfast and you get back there at the end of the day. <laughs> It's, you know, it's a wreck. (laughs) (laughs) Because everything is designed to almost stop you being your body. You get wheels, you sit in a chair, you're getting some wheels, you slump and you huddle over something, you get the other end, rush out, drag down here, there. You know, so (laughs) it's, uh, you know, the more you can regain your own body uh, and stay with it in the day, the more um, collected you're going to be, less, less impacted. Yeah. I ask a, a, a bit about what we were talking about yesterday um, when we spoke about investigating internally, externally, 
and both internally and externally. When I when I sort of read the, the thing, it seemed that the instruction was for a, a beacon to go into a forest or an empty hut or something mm -hmm. like that. So the the internal external thing mm -hmm. I thought well that, that How can you have that, that can't affect anyone right. else and, and I was thinking, you know, the, the arising of feelings you couldn't sit there and, and see how much pain was arising in my knee. It, it, uh, you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't uh, know that. But I did notice when I was walking that I could, I could position the focus of my mind so I was either in the walking, in, in the, the movement, or I could be outside of the movement and almost watching mm -hmm, the movement mm -hmm, from somewhere mm -hmm, else. Mm -hmm. And also then I could relax and just be with it and, and it was almost an internal... It, 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 am I heading on the right track? I think it's interesting because those, those, those phrases have caused quite a lot of uh, uh, uncertainty what exactly is being meant. Some people think it's you know yourself and other people. It doesn't quite work. It works to a certain degree but it doesn't always work. Um, you could say, you know, um, almost using, you could say, you might even say subjectively and objectively. Because mm, yeah. the words are not into, the words are Pali, ajata and vedida, vedida, which can mean hither and thither even. Mm. You know, so it's, it's set, there's some sense of a, of a, of a, of a polarization of focus. One's one, one's another. But uh, the, exactly the meaning of it is not completely clear. So we, you know, one might might say a subjective experience of walking, like you know, what it's feeling, what it feels to me as objectively. This is the body walking. It does this. It does that. You know, we're looking at it more from our analytical mind. So you know, and then the two coming together. So you can that way you can do it on your own. I think the sutra itself is a, uh, a strange patchwork actually of, of pieces put together um, when many of these suttas are re reconstituted you know out of things the the buddha said so yeah, but then he's, it's though he does start off you know sitting at the root of a tree uh, and bringing the spine upright and then focusing on breathing in and out you get the feeling that 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 position isn't maintains the whole sutta because then he talks about scratching lying down urinating defecating so you know you've got to move around to do some of that <laughs> <laughs> you can't do it all sitting upright <laughs> the root of a tree uh, so i think it does broaden out into into wider perspectives yeah. in which you know the sense of other people might indeed be a um you know, in fact, that is because if you're going to be mindful, other people are certainly something we've got to have some some mindfulness practice around. You know. Uh, yes. I just wanted to kind of further on from the question earlier on about the um, what affects us internally from the external. Um, you know, if you're in a work situation or being affected by others, and. Um, 
my understanding of that is that sometimes that also is um, showing us perhaps parts of ourselves too that uh, we, we may not be that conscious of or a kind of mirroring but not all the time as well so it, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's always mirroring that actually if you understand where it's coming from is it yours internally or is it something else that you're feeling and not taking on board is that does that make sense? Um, I'm getting that, you know, when we're with other people, then maybe that brings up aspects of our own uh, attitudes or um, weak spots or strong spots, you know. Is that mine or yours? Well, it's a bit of both, isn't it, really? I think that's where the internal external comes together. When you recognize that, you know, fundamentally, uh, you know, we can't be separate because we're not, our, our, our closure is, is only sustained through an act of will. <laughs> you know, mostly we, be, we are receiving. There's no, there's no such thing as an internal self. You know, it's, 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 oh, it's kind of always being met and, and affected by its circumstances. One of the most powerful set of circumstances as other people because our, we attune very strongly to other people. They mean a lot more to us than trees and lampposts. You know. These are our company, our praise, blame, affection, aversion. And there's a lot in that. So naturally, a lot of our conditioned responses are tuned into how other people are. And uh, But with that, what comes in is our pre-existing experience of other people, our, our, our anxiety or our impatience or our whatever it is. So that naturally adds a tint to, to how we, we don't meet people completely afresh. We meet them through the lens of past experience. Yeah. So w in any meeting, as I meet you, then there's, I'm seeing you through the lens of my past, you know, and you're seeing me through the lens of yours. So in some ways that helps us to see you know what what i what i'm carrying you know uh, particularly when you don't fit into what my lens of the past is about you know my my, my prejudices or my um preconceptions so other people can generally you know what we notice is that no one is ever the way you think them to be <laughs> no one is ever the way you want them to be, and no one's ever, <laughs> never as bad, never as bad as you fear they might be, never as wonderful as you think they might be. They're never any of these preconceived things that we carry around. So that helps to keep softening our 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 tendency to to cling to perceptions and impressions. Mm. It's not physical. What's not physical? What about if it's, um, I've actually heard a mum once talk, talk about a story, which I understood as well, about perhaps being in a place and in a forest and feeling um, other forces. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. That maybe aren't Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
Well, if you you know if you consider that the mind is is like a set of of energies, rather like radio waves. You know, it's just continually pulsing with radio waves or magnetic fields. Then it just picks up all kinds of stuff depending which frequency you tune into. Um, so some people can tune into frequencies where they perceive spirits, devatas, angelic forces, Brahma Loka, you know, other people don't get a thing. You know, it depends how you, what your, what your, transmi- what your transmitter's about, really. Um, you know, how did the Buddha remember past lives? He obviously, you know, touched into some frequency where he could pick up all the the, f- the wavelengths that were still rolling on, you know, pick them up. So, yeah, uh, quite, seems quite plausible to me. Is that when you pick, get on with somebody, are we picking up their frequency? Hmm? I'm thinking about how you're related to others, but are we picking up their frequency? Some people don't pick up their frequency. Well, you're picking up frequencies. And you're never quite clear whether it's something your own mind is doing or it's really coming from somebody else. So it requires quite a lot of clarification and purification. Before, if you know, if your own frequencies are really clear and haven't got any carrying load of stuff, you can be, you're much clearer about, oh, that's somebody else, or that's something else. Let's see, consider what it's like if you're sitting in a room and there's nobody else here, what that would feel like. And you're sitting in a room with a hundred people here, what they would feel, even though it would be physical, no physical contact, you know, the general impression you'd have would be rather different. You know? So imagine you're sitting at a root of a tree on your own. You know, that would really probably get a rather different set of impressions than if you're sitting in a bus with 20 people around you. I was also thinking about when we actually get on with something as well, you know, <laughs> emotional parity, emotional congruence. Maybe there's a similar. In that book, Robert Skinner, Skinner that talks about things behind the screen, and uh, that we might have very different to external. Patterning, but there's something behind the screen that leads to many childhood experiences. Um, I appreciate for the last few days you've shared a lot with us. Well, um, you're talking about internally and externally emotions and thoughts and our influences. At what stage for you, um, the beginning of your um, inquiry, and what was it that started you on the inquiry? A bit more on a personal level, but um, I wonder if you could share that with us. Or one, or one of them. I'm sure there were many, but just one. <laughs> Do you really want to know? <laughs> Is it going to be helpful? <laughs> well, it's just suffering, you know. <laughs> suffering. <laughs> Recognise that uh, yeah, getting enough good things, you know, and you're still not happy. 
so you have even more good things and you're finding yourself even less happy <laughs> so you know you think well go somewhere else and you're still unhappy getting worse you know, so something the ba- basic model's wrong so then you start tuning into where you're coming from yeah. how old were you <laughs> old enough to scare crows <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> mm. I think it was 25, 26, something like that yeah. mm. I'm not particularly I'm, you know, I'm not particularly embarrassed I don't mind talking about myself but I'd like to See if it's something that would be useful for, for, for you when you go out of here. <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm not just being dismissive. I just, I'm happy to prattle on about my wonderful life. That <laughs> 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 will it do you any good? <laughs> yeah. Could you say something about um, natural mind? Mm. I think there was something you said earlier about how um, in Chitta there can be a lot of movement. Mm. There's a lot more space. Mm. I wonder if that was in the same area. Well, what I mean by natural mind, this is a fairly colloquial expression just to to um, recognize you know the mind does develop over time and it develops increasing generally increasing degrees of fine-tuning and complexities from when we are very small you know and you get there are basic programs there about survival and about happiness and about friendship and about personal meaning and about establishing yourself as an individual and all those sorts of things and then that gets those programs get quite complex as we as we grow up you know all kinds of ways in which you want to find our happiness or feel where i'm okay in myself i'm not just the somebody else is something want to be independent and we also want to make meaningful relationships you know and so that people are doing this minds are doing this all the time how to how to get this to happen well before all that <laughs> you know before all that there are, there are certain qualities, I would say, that are, that are basic to, to all, uh, all minds. That the nature of mind, the natural mind, the basis of it, um, prior to all this, uh, this complex social and behavioral structuring. Um, and we might say there, there are certain, certain senses of that. One, it has a basic strength. It has a, some sense of... Um, coherence um, <coughs> some sense of presence some sense of groundedness you know. so and then it has also a ba- sense of basic um, clarity that is on one level you know the mind is all, uh, there's a sense of clarity you know we know we don't know for example we be aware so we come back to a natural mind we might say the awareness of faculty of the mind 
awareness faculty of the mind is always present, grounded, sense strong. Now we don't necessarily go there, does it? You know, because we're going out into our constructions and behaviours. So if you you know you're coming back into almost like who am I? Who's here? Who's here? Who's here? Then you come more into the sense of basic grounded awareness. That's natural. You don't create it. You you go to it, but you don't create it. It's got no plans. It's got no ideas. It's got no behaviours other than just present. So that's that one aspect of the natural mind. It has natural clarity, which means you know you don't you know you don't know you know there's an open space for knowing you know and it's not cognitive knowing it's a sense of it's able to be clear and open there's also a sense of basic empathy trust some quality of of um, warm-heartedness it's very innate it's not particular people that trigger it off, it's not particular events that trigger it off, it's a natural state of, of gentle benevolence. Because mm. yeah. so that was the mind, the mind has to be about that, otherwise it's not a mind. It's, it's uh, you know, if it's not like that, it's you're in some psych- psychotic state. So any, any, that's the natural health of the mind. You like, you know, if you're not under stress, you're not under compulsion, you're not under any pressure, your natural response is going to be something that's warm and gentle. Yeah. You don't have to try to do it. The problem is mostly we are under some pressure or compulsion or confusion, so we don't go there. So the natural mind is naturally um, warm, benevolent. It has a sense of strength. Here we are, that's this, that's that, I'm here and it has a sense of clarity. Uh, it doesn't have any particular object. It's a, it's a fundamental subjectivity. You could say the fundamental I am, if you wanted to go a bit advaita about it all. <laughs> you know, so that people find that, that those teachings quite helpful because it, it, it's, it's, it's taking you back to the... the uh, more natural, natural state of mind, which is un, unforced and beyond behaviours, behind before the behaviours, you might say. <coughs> I meant the terms, or from perhaps other schools, but do you think this is this can be referred to as Buddha nature? You could refer to it whatever you like, really. <laughs> I think it gets the more esoteric terms you put on it, the more it can be. Mm. You know, what what do we mean by what does Buddha nature mean? Have potential for awakening. Yeah, I think we have the potential for awakening. I guess in, in that in that respect, I'm not necessarily just to the name, but um, is. Is, is there uh, is the potential within that state? Because it sounds like it seems though it could be beyond a state. If it's, really it's a level, you could say, a level of awareness, a level of how 
mind comes into form, so as mind arises, in order to be a mind it has to have some awareness, it has to have some uh, sense of in being able to entrain, to empathize with what's going on around, it has to have some sense of clarity, otherwise it's not a mind. So it's a level, it's the primary level at which mind m- arises as, as, a, as an experience. Um, but it's not, you know, it's, it's, still, got, it's still conditioned, um, but it's, a, it's this, uh, the least personal conditioning. So, you know, when so if we are with that and contemplate that and realize this, this, exp- this rather restful, clear state, gentle, warm, restful, clear, is just that. It's, it's not a self, it's not something that's eternal, it's not, you know. Then it's it, there can be a, a release from attachment, making something out of it. We could call it Buddha nature, but I th- the pr- which fair enough because it's quite a, quite a you know nice when you hear about asavas and defilements and cankers and taints and corruptions and suffering and anguish and ignorance and basic stupidity, greed, lust, passion. It's nice of something positive to. <laughs> <laughs> of I am basic delusion. <laughs> so Buddha nature gives you, oh yeah, well <laughs> something, you know, a little bit light and lively. <laughs> so, but, uh, you know, we don't want to ask too much of it. <laughs> yeah. Is it the same as intuition and natural, in, you know, you feel that... Um, I, I don't know, I read somewhere, I can't remember, <laughs> that our intellect has um, been developed at the expense of our natural, intuitive nature. Mm, mm, mm. Some of that, is that... Intuition is the first, first resonance that occurs. If, you know, if the mind is, if, that, if you're in touch with a, that fundamental awareness, we might say, then, then the first quality of understanding that arises is much more intuitive rather than cognitive, you guess, well, it feels, you know. So you, this is where you get imagination and uh, intuition arises to that place. Because it's somewhere uh, at the place where the first contact, the first contact we have touches our um, emotional and perceptual uh, capacity. So it's quite fresh. Normally we see things secondarily, that is we refer to something in terms of something that I already know. You know, I see you as you, as you remind me of somebody or I know your name or we met five years ago or whatever, so I, I see you and I, that, all that comes in. Oh, that's da 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 that's who she is. Well, that's referring to the, the established perception. Now, if we just, you know, relax all that and come to something more primary, there can be, you know, some not knowing, and yet in that not knowing we get the sense of, you know, something like trust or... Before we know, we, we sense something, we get a sense of something. So, that's fresh or fresher. 
than referring to as thought up perception. It's a little slower sometimes, and you have to go a bit deeper to get it. Yeah. That's the, the feeling of the sense of, of self. Um, with with the, the sort of foundations of mindfulness, does, does the, the, the sense of, of self fall under, under feeling? Sometimes I can, because it's a really strong thing in me, the feeling that that I I am me, um, and I know, I know I need it. Otherwise, I you know you can end up damaging yourself or something. But <clears throat> if if I sometimes if I sit, if I look at I think ah that's the feeling that this is me, and you can see it, it it'll it'll melt away, but. It, it might be there and it will melt away, but then it's there, slightly, slightly different. But it's it's never gone, and it doesn't seem to, it doesn't seem to to weaken. Is there a is there a, a practice of mindfulness just just on that? Well, it's mindfulness of m- mindfulness of mind. So uh, the sense of self is generally um, how does it happen? There's a, a contact, something touches, there's a response, which is the feeling, uh, there's an interpretation, and then there's a view. So the fully formed sense of self is is called uh, a view or a, a conceit, something that's, so that's why it seems permanent, because we hold it as a, as a, mm-hmm. as a kind of concept, uh, as, a, as a viewpoint. So normally we that that viewpoint or that that concept, I am this, I'm this person, this is what I'm doing, this is who I am, uh, leads us. So we're walking along carrying that and seeing things from that viewpoint. You know, how dare you treat me this way? You know, I'm you know who I am. <laughs> it's my right and so forth. You know. <laughs> Or, or or that 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 kind of thing. So, but then you, as you come back behind that, you can feel more like the sense of of agitation, which is causing the me sense to arise, or um, excitement, which is causing the me sense to arise, like the wanting to grasp it and have it. So, feeling, and then this process called a tanha craving, which is that which wants to hold something, either to enjoy it or to uh, own it, become it, you know, so tanha, uh, ditti, which means we, we start to, you know, get a should, shouldn't, want, don't want, we get a kind of, kind of strategy arises around that, and then mana, which means I am, you know, this is what I am, so the I am then becomes almost divorced from the experience that has generated it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I, I sort of look at things that are arising, like 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 feelings and, and desires and, and mm-hmm. things. I remember reading once. I think a, a, a monk some, at some stage said that it it was like the like the perfume of a flower. Yes. And 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 it doesn't seem to me, no matter how much I look at feelings arising and realize what's happening and that sort of thing this this perfume just seems to be 
there all the time. It's mm. a, there's always this that around, but it's me. Mm. Mm. So, well, the basic strategy is to look at it as it arises. So it's it's first of all it starts off as something is affected. Then that's happening to me, me as an object, and then I'm going to, as it becomes the subject, <laughs> you know, I'm going to do this, and then from the that there comes a sense of, well, I am the one. All this is going on. This is happening to you know. So the the, the sense of me becomes then separated from the experience that generated it. So it starts off as something happens, then that happened to me, touches me. This is all pretty quick, you know. As hearing and then, oh, I heard that that happened to me, it landed on me, and then the response comes up. I don't like, don't like that, and then I don't like that, and I, then I'm going to do something about it. So, how that, you see, just witness the process arising, and um, me, mine, myself. So, me is the object, you know, mine, this belongs to me. And then, uh, well, I as the agent, and then the sense of a, uh, a self, that's kind of some immaterial entity, is assumed from that. It's the assumption, the mana, called a conceit, an, an assumption. Now, you know, it's not the case that there's no res- effect and response, but as we've been saying, the effect is, eff- is the mind affected. It's not me being affected, it's the mind being affected. The response is the mind responding, the, the chitana, not me responding. Yeah. So you, you, you actually see it as it is. Um, and then there's a the result of that particular response, uh, is the result, it's not myself. So we look at things more clearly as they are. Uh, and But there's also the the... the Inclination and the hunger to create a self. That's this is called becoming or bhava. How am I doing? Am I getting anywhere? Is my you know? Am I doing? Am I going the right way? What will I be? What, what have I been? What other people think of me? Something that wants to find <laughs> a self, you know, and you can't ever find it. So is it possible just to trust and rely upon the clarity of how one is affected and the clarity of how one responds, you know, and the purity of, of understanding skillful dump, skillfulness, trust that rather than create some sense of self around it. So if the mind becomes clearer, it doesn't need to go through this process of establishing itself. It can re- rely purely upon accurate effect, clear recognition of that, and clear response. So do you think then that, that this, this perfume, for a, better, for a better way of saying it, this, this, this perfume is, is, is what is created from all of this, just to put something in place to make it... It's a residue. To make me feel as though I am. It's residues. So in that sutta that he just said, it's like a something where it, this 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 perfume has been kept in a box. So it's the wood is permeated by it. So you just open the lid and let it 
<laughs> clean it out. Which sutta is that? It's a sutta to Yamaka in the Sangyutta Nikaya. Probably the... Uh, I think it probably would be in the Kandavaga, be the Kandas. Uh, is it in the middle of the No, it's no. called the Collected Connected Discourses and I believe it would be in chapter twenty two called the Collection on the Aggregates. Because then he's saying, I recognise that form is not self, feeling is not self, perception is not self, sankara is not self, consciousness is not self, none of this is self, and yet still there's this funny feeling of me still hanging around. Yeah, it's in, uh, in Yamaka, Yamaka was it? Kamaka, Kamaka, K-H-E-M-A-K-A, Kamaka. It's a very, very, it's got so it's quite a funny sutta actually, because it's Kamaka's sick, he's really sick, and then these, um, these other monks on the other side of the hill are going, oh Kamaka, you know, he's really an arahant, he's really got it sorted out. And so this messenger goes back and says that they, so they think you're an arahant. He says, no, I'm not an arahant. So he sends a messenger back to say that he isn't an arahant. And the elders are saying, oh, no, you're really, really enlightened. The messenger goes back again. He says, no, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> so this is doing and throwing. And eventually came and gets fed up, gets up on his stick and drags himself over the other the hill <laughs> to say, look, venerable sirs. <laughs> explains why he's not an arahant. As he's, as he's explaining it, he suddenly realizes arahantship. <laughs> <laughs> so you, it's, you get these lovely pictures of, of the, how these people carried on in those days. <laughs> so he was keen to prove that he wasn't enlightened rather than keen to prove that he was. It's a real love of truth. <laughs> we have to go it's the connected discourses, Sangyuta. And I believe it's I believe it's in the collection on the aggregates. Kamaka. It'd be called called Kamaka. K H. So we have to go now and um back in a hour or so uh, hour and a half and that time uh, we'll give the five precepts if you would like to ask for the five precepts give the five precepts and a uh, uh, little blessing chant and then we'll be av- I'll be av- around in the sangha room after the meal if anybody wants to come by and say goodbye or see you later <laughs>